0: the podcast that gives permission to all the feelings explores what it's really like to be creative and pushes for the change we all deserve it's been a while and it feels really good and right to be back after quite a long hiatus um for context back in october something happened I guess where my, let's call them ADHD traits, um, my, but also my intrinsic character, uh, my motivation for the Den social media page and this podcast itself was uh, under attack. And it felt really scary to be so misunderstood, but also to have got it all so wrong again. So I hid. I retreated into my own den, shall we say, of my den of hurt and shame and I stewed over the jumbled details for a a while, but I also reached out to people who I feel understand me and I saw a better better understanding of where I went wrong and I've taken some time to reflect on my my real strengths and my weaknesses. Um, I came off social media completely. I blocked a lot of people on whatsapp and I just stopped sharing about what I thought was important and a few friends picked up on this retreat and recognized that it was really isolating for me because social media plays such a big part in my connecting and communicating with other people and they were right they were so right so after having stopped and I stepped back and I made some apologies honestly mostly to myself Um, and then I realized that this podcast I started was in short about being a human being yes a creative human but also just humans trying to understand themselves and the world a bit better talking through it all Uh, creating community and just acknowledging what we all might need a bit more of. Today, I watched my daughter in her first Christmas nativity and I felt like I was going to explode from adoration. Our continued goal as parents has been to equip her or both our children with the confidence to feel all her feelings to say them all to experience it all and to just live fully and without shame and i got a glimmer of that really happening this evening and i thought thank god for the mistakes that i make and the painful parts and the shitty parts because they all motivate the investment that i make in her in my son and in other people Um, I also spoke to my guest on this episode today about motherhood about being a air quotes working mom about being a creative person and about what changes we both want to see uh, specifically within our industry the music industry her name is Bea Adamic I came across her first on another podcast Uh, Shout out to the Not A Groupie podcast and Sophie Smith for the incredible job that you are doing with that. And when I heard her speak about the loneliness and isolation of being a mother working in the music industry, my heart absolutely sang. Uh, For the last four years, I've really battled in my professional life, um, fighting that instinctual desire to talk about my children, what they mean to me, uh, life as a mum. Uh, just for fear of how it might damage my credibility, um, fear of people stopping listening to me, respecting me, fear of their judgment, just fear of being cancelled out. Um, It's hard enough being a minority as a female in music, let alone one who's dared to procreate and then continue to be ambitious. But hearing B's story of her entry into motherhood after the birth of her first baby which was her pr firm liberty pr is such a testimony of graft vision resilience but also love love for what she does and love for her daughter which we explore a little bit about how actually choosing to be mothers who work is an expression of love but aside from that she's hands down probably one of the most insightful and down to earth people that i've spoken to in the music industry this year and I'm so excited to be connected and I really hope this is the start of a great relationship. So, without any more from me, this is Beadamic Adamic in... Um, After bits to be chatting to be Adamic today I actually meant to ask off air if that is the correct that is pronunciation the of your surname
1: well done
0: I, I uh, this feels really timely actually that uh, the way in which this has come about has been um jostling emails between LinkedIn and Instagram and then our schedules and uh both being mothers mm. and then talking about uh things besides this podcast as well so um yeah. I'm really hoping that we can collaborate on Mami. Yeah, there's, and... so, there's
1: so much scope there, and um, mm-hmm. but we want to. So, so for anyone that doesn't know, um, Mami is an idea that came about. It was, um, it was myself really initially that I felt like. So I just had my daughter. No, I was pregnant actually at the time, and I remember mm-hmm. feeling really alone in, within the music business. Obviously, there seemed to be quite a lot out there for women in music, lots of meetup and networking events and, and kind of communities, but it literally didn't seem like there was much out there for um, uh, mothers in music or yeah. carers or, or whatever. Um, and I remember going to an AIM women in music event. Sorry, my kitten's decided she particularly want now i meowing in. now. Come join in. That's totally fine. <laughs> I remember thinking that – I remember going to an AIM – Women in Music event, and I was pregnant, and then thinking, and I remember speaking to a few women in, whilst networking and saying, "Oh, do you know if there's anything for like mothers to mothers in music?" And everyone was like, hmm, "No, I, I don't know actually." Um, and then feeling, yeah. just feeling quite alone actually, feeling really lonely at the prospect that I was now a mother or going to be a mother, and and there not being much of a kind of network community or sounding board out there. And actually keeping mm-hmm. it quite quiet as well for those. Well, most of my pregnancy, it was really bizarre because I'd just set up my business at the time. I run a music PR agency and I kept it quiet. I kept it quiet for my clients, male, female clients. Um, yeah. I was just scared they thought I wasn't, that was it. It's like, oh, okay, we'll I'll see you then. See you in a few years time. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, and that wasn't what I wanted to do. because I'd obviously set it up. Just recently, and I, it was very much my first baby. um So yeah, so that's why we launched Mammy. We, we launched it 2018 uh, International Women's Day, and um yeah, we've done some great stuff so far.
0: Yeah. How did you meet yeah. Joe, by the way?
1: So Joe. So I've known Joe for quite a few years. We're both in Brighton. I've met her. on and off over the years so she's been in different musical projects um we've kind of been in the same kind of crowds but we've never we've never actually kind of sat and had a coffee together or Mm. or even kind of chatted properly really and I just remember speaking to her about how passionate I felt about the lack of support and she would say, oh my god I feel exactly the same and she was pregnant at the time and she felt very similar to me yeah um and we both came together put our heads together and created mammy so we both felt there was a huge yeah. need for it um and here we are a few years later four years later oh,
0: for me my my experience was I actually felt quite green going into motherhood so I'd I'd felt quite a bit of pressure um mm-hmm. I guess it's not a thing anymore but it, it, in my generation it felt like I was late I'm putting it in inverted in inverted commas yeah. um yeah. coming into motherhood and I'd certainly I mean, it's a different story but like I'd certainly resisted it for quite a few years actually um yeah. and it felt and it felt like a big deal but I genuinely genuinely thought that this is what you did you just you got on with it and um I found that actually when I was pregnant the community within uh so I work in music education obviously as you know But the community within music education were really supportive while I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, But as soon as baby was out completely shifted oh, wow. um, and I wasn't prepared I wasn't prepared for any of that it, yeah I guess kind of what what came afterwards in terms of my experience of paternity leave and then making choices about returning to work and I, I was gigging musician right up until pregnancy as well and I had this grand uh, ambition and illusion that I was going to be this glorious pregnant woman sat behind a piano I didn't get past four weeks I don't think morning sickness hit um gigging yeah. just kind of all went to pot and yeah. uh and improved my cre- my credibility as a musician but also uh someone working in the music industry and everything it's just been yeah like like you said really really lonely and mm. i i only knew uh and joe said to me it'd be really great if you could uh, spread the word about about mammy uh amongst mm. your networks in manchester yeah, yeah. And um, and I was like, I'd love to, but I literally don't know anyone else who That's is a mother in music, which is yeah. which is why I'm so, I was so excited to see that initiative. And just to see someone talking about being a mother in the music industry, because mm. I don't know about you, but it's felt like this almost this taboo topic.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it so has, I think. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I feel like it's definitely shifted and it's definitely changed. And I think... Where, from where we started four years ago to now, there's been a lot of positive change. Um, But yeah, you're right, Mm. there is still that, um, it's still taboo. It definitely, obviously you've got artists now, like your Rihannas, Beyonce's and stuff, who are really, you know, being very loud and proud about being pregnant and becoming a mother. And I think that's amazing. But there is still so much behind-the-scenes stuff, and 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 sort of independent artists and stuff that just still don't feel confident enough to tell their label that they're pregnant mid-deal, and uh, or being, you know, a sound engineer on 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 the road with with a band. Uh, We have some. We had someone. I won't name the band, but they're very big. Um, so we have someone in our group who is pretty major one of the booking agents in London Um, she's like a senior director or something anyway she worked with on her roster there's huge 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 roster of the biggest sort of bands that we know and she told one of the bands that she was pregnant and they were like behind her back literally requested that she leave them um, as their booking ma- manager basically immediately oh, wow and um, like and that was their attitude towards it and um yeah and even you know things like we have we you know within the mammy community we have um an amazing sound engineer that's worked with so many big bands and artists and stuff and she she talks about her you know some really amazing stories about how she actually takes her children with her on tour so she brings them with her on wow. the tour bus with the bands,
0: yeah. and they love it.
1: There, you know, there are some artists, some some bands that are all predominantly male, female, um, that are very happy to have the two-year-old on on yeah. toe while she kind of does her thing on the desk, basically. Which is so that's really cool to to hear.
0: That's amazing. And so you're starting to kind of collate more and more stories like that through yes. through the work that you're doing with Mammy.
1: That's what we're trying to do. So we mm. we're trying to more or less promote how I felt that I actually did achieved more when I became a mother so yeah, um, because think. your time is so so limited so you you've got that one hour or two hour whatever you're like right I'm gonna what's gonna what can I achieve in this time and and, and generally you'll you'll kind of master mm. it and I feel like I've been more confident with kind of put myself forward um, more so than I did before and I think um we've had so many young women that come and sit in, in, on, on, in as part of the audience that say, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize this actually. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dubious. Cause I just think it's once I've become a mother and that's generally the opinion, I think amongst younger women. Yeah. Who are maybe in their twenties that they can't mm-hmm. possibly do both. They can't have a career and they and, and be a mother at the same time. It's one or to the other. And I think they know, they, they feel they have to, you know when that time comes they have to step down from their role and um and just focus on on that you know being a mum
0: yeah that that's um that's a good point to ask you the question actually of what's been your experience as a working mother full full stop because I'm I'm certainly conscious that w- one of the things that I really want is to be um, a role model to not just my female students, so I work with eighteen plus um, young women, but um, but also to to my children. Like I, I, and it's taken a little bit of a while for me to to reframe my thinking and to try and consciously put aside that that mum guilt and say, actually, no, this is a really good thing that my children. See their mum working and yeah. see, and I've tried to be conscious of telling them what that's for, and not just about oh we need the money to pay the bills, but oh to actually, mummy likes going to work, and the reason why I like going to work is because it gives me this, this, and this, mm. um, and I want I want that to be a really positive representation for them, and not yeah. you know in twenty years time them needing a hell of a lot of therapy because I was not present.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you weren't there,
0: <laughs> but anyway, what's
1: what's your video Yeah, your it's experience hard really hard like I've I've kind of like you know there's ebbs and flows of how I feel emotionally about that so for me I was in a really tricky situation in that um I actually decided I wanted to launch my my business it was in um 2016 And I decided to quit my corporate role and deep dive into um, doing what I've always wanted to do, which work in the music industry. And it just so happened serendipitously that it was going to be PR. So I was like, that's it, flag in the sand, off I go. And then it was literally on the same week that I was working my final week of notice at my corporate role that I actually found out I was pregnant. So I was like, oh my goodness. And I'd wanted to have a baby. That was part Mm. of the plan. And that and I had actually been trying a few years before that and nothing had happened. So it was almost like, as with most things, the mm. universe was like, I'm going to give it to you all at the same time. Um, <laughs> so, so then I had to navigate 2016 pregnant and setting up a brand new business. So that was yeah. really hard um and then when it came to actually preparing for her birth and the bit after I was kind of I think I was slightly disillusioned I was like I'll just go straight back to it it's fine I'm gonna be all right um and then I'll I'll work from home and and I kind of did do that if I'm honest so I spent 2017 with a newborn baby strapped to me whilst I was like sort of hammering out emails and doing press campaigns amazing (laughs) crazy I, I like mm. and then we decided actually I probably probably need an assistant and then it all kind of developed from then mm. but at that very start I was doing everything and I remember eventually dropping like arranging childcare for her where I couldn't manage the two I mm. like had this horrible sick feeling in my stomach from the minute I kind of dropped her off like throughout the day like I felt so unsettled and I think most mothers get that feeling and I, I I'm sure fathers do as well yeah but um, of like, oh, something's missing, I should be... So it was that tussle constantly between being in a happy place at work but also really missing my daughter and and having to kind of hand her over I mean and there was tears I remember like walking away some mornings like crying going oh oh, I can't do this is so hard you know knowing that I was really happy with the business I was setting up but also really sad that I was having to kind of leave her um so that first couple of years was really hard I'd say for me um I felt quite emotional about it all but then at the same time, I could see this business that I'd, I'd launched with my partner was growing. It was growing, it was growing. Like the word was getting out that we were, you know, great great service, a great agency. So it felt like all the, the work that I was, had put in was actually paying off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that felt amazing, really. Um, I, I think it's been swings and roundabouts for, for me in, in terms of that. And, you know, there are times where, When you know certainly say within my NCT group of friends, I missed all the gatherings and the kind Mm -hmm. of like lunchtime meetups because I was actually straight back into work. Yeah, so I felt like and I felt weird. And but then there was times when actually I couldn't wait to get back to work. You know, so we'd have our time together, but I'd be like, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow because I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and going to meet this great artist, or I'm going to speak to Universal in London, and Mm. felt almost guilty for for being excited about that. Like, yeah. I, had, I felt like I wanted to do more than just be a full-time mum. And I totally respect mothers that want to be full-time mums. I really, really do. But yeah, for same. me, I needed something else. Yeah. Like, you know, just mentally, I, I don't think I could have coped just doing that. As she's older, so she's five now, she gets it. And I think um, a pivotal moment for us in our family was when I was able to she was able to come watch me do a TED talk this year um and she could really see what mummy was about and I think that yeah. was massive for us as a as oh, a family wow. and our relationship and um yeah. yeah it was just amazing like you know my partner filmed her reaction when he, she saw me step out on stage and I think she sort of gets now what, what I'm up to and um yeah yeah and that's it's really nice yeah
0: And I'm conscious that actually like on the days that I do have with her, as wonderful as they are, Mm. I'm not enough for her and that's okay. And she's like me and that that's part of the reason It's a good reminder that that's why I go to work in the same way that she, Mm. the reason she wants to go to prep is because she needs other people. She needs stimulation. She wants to learn new things. She wants to grow. And then she comes home to that kind of safe place and that's that's kind of the same for me and so to be able to have parallel with her and that understanding mm. when she's only four i'm like oh my thank goodness and i was explaining mm. to my daughter eldest i said to her, actually today's not a mummy day it's a daddy day because i'm going to go and do these other two things and she went oh great mommy have a good day at work and then when you get your money i'll help you spend it yeah. <laughs> i found the extremities of and i know my friends who are full-time mums have they feel on the other end of the spectrum that there's this judgment of them that they've chosen this and Mm -hmm. that they might somehow not be fulfilled but then on the other end of the spectrum i feel as a Virtually full-time working mom. I mm-hmm. feel the judgment on that, and it's just yeah. I've been reading a lot and researching a lot and following accounts. Women kind of pushing back at that, going kind of where, why are we, why do we fall into these two camps basically, of you know, working mother or full-time mm-hmm. mother, and like why is there no like nuanced identity? Do you have you struggled with that at all? Yeah, like people's I perception do. of you as a as a working mother.
1: Definitely, definitely, and like I mean. One of the things like, for example, amongst my immediate family. So we were in Italy at the weekend. Um, my auntie sort of questioning the fact that, um, you know, so so occasionally we'll have um, uh, we have like someone, an au pair that comes in and, and helps a couple of days a week. So she'll come and help us. You know, I, I by no means try and make out that I do it all because I mm-hmm. absolutely don't. And, you know, sometimes I feel guilty about saying that like do I have to seem like I can do do it all basically there is that kind of that kind of I don't know that pressure isn't it so if you're going to be well you know full-time working mum then you also have to be able to do everything perfectly and there are times when Mm -hmm. uh, I drop the ball when I forget the swimming bag packed in the bag and you know the um, I miss the email about you know a school trip or whatever and I think it can be like really stressful and that's where I really put my put pressure on myself to try and do everything and then yeah at the weekend um my auntie was really sort of challenging that with me and saying "Well, don't you want to you know be around more like why, why would you have like sacrificed those early years mm-hmm. you know, those early years like you know and and then mm-hmm. I was like oh yeah, yeah you all right but then at the same time you know we we have when when the summer holidays sort or the holidays roll in, we have that quality time together now. I've actually Mm -hmm. made it my mission that I can take that time out of the business because I worked super hard in those early years of launching the company. It's now and it's almost in its seventh year now, sixth year, sorry. You know, now I have a lot of the the sort of NCT group of friends that initially were stay at home now kind of seeking advice from me, like, Oh, what should I do? I really want to start my own thing. Um, oh, I'm so really? bored of being, a part, you know, working part yeah. time and I need something else like, you know, and, and so it, it's funny how it's um it, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. I've, I've got to admit that kind of seeming like you can have it all because actually I don't know whether you can at times. I think that's yeah. too much of that pressure and trying to look good, and trying to, you know, be super yeah. healthy and and have the perfect home and yeah. <laughs> it's just like
0: I don't actually in my experience, I don't think that's what young women are looking for. Like I don't okay. Um it I I don't know. I and I, I hear you completely and then mm-hmm. uh comparison's such a killer, isn't it? And yeah. I'm certainly guilty of looking at other people and thinking that they've got all those boxes checked mm. but I think what I found really powerful working with young adults is actually what they're desperate for is a bit of authenticity and honesty and permission good. to to kind of go no I haven't got it all sorted and they go oh my gosh. <laughs> so we don't have to either yeah. oh brilliant oh, okay yeah, yeah. And that's
1: something I always try and be quite crucially honest about yeah. um, and I think yeah because I, I hate sort of seeing you know other people claim that everything's great when it's not you know and it and it, yeah. you know, there have been times when it, it definitely hasn't been great um, but yeah overall it's been a really nice experience certainly kind of being a mother yeah. and sick and um and doing all the stuff that I really wanted to do and I feel like yeah mm. there's definitely a better stronger connection between me and my daughter and our, and our little family
0: uh, it's interesting that the the phrase of having it all. And I think mm. it's possibly like a boomer concept that's like, that's been carried, carried yeah. over into our generation. Yeah, My mum so says true. that to me, darling, I do totally believe that women can have it all. And I think actually <laughs> I follow in her footsteps that she, each her generation, it was like, she didn't have a choice. That was her role. And they, that was just how you did it. And we talk about yeah. this often, yeah. Um. but then she it kind of in subsequent kind of years and decades and stuff has almost been like making up for it. Because she was yeah. frustrated, because she missed out, and uh, and she's um, she's in her kind of like mid sixties now, and she's mm-hmm. really, really thriving in her work and and really going for it. But she says, "Darling, I do absolutely believe that women can have it all. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not all at once. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, or oh, maybe that's not what it is that we're striving for. Because I, I think people mm. have accused me of that, of like, you know, Jen, you're just trying to have it all and do mm-hmm. it all." and do it all perfectly no I don't think that's what it is actually I just I just can't think of any reason why shouldn't I work why shouldn't I be fulfilled why shouldn't I also have time for myself but and be a fantastic mother like it's not about having it all but just having a a life really that's like that's textured and that's got choice and fulfilling and like and healthy as well but again I guess like it's that you know we've been indoctrinated for a really long time to kind of uh, believe in these constructs but also the system's not set up as we know mm-hmm. to kind of support in that I think that's the biggest thing I'd like to kind of see change is just I think women f- being less apologetic for their choices and and just owning the fact that we can have these rich textured lives yeah, with children I without like children
1: because I, I uh, love that and that's what they're really interested in. A more authentic um interpretation of what's going on let's give that to them
0: that kind of moves me on nicely to uh being a creative person as well so my perception for a long time has been that there's a lot of particularities about being a creative person not necessarily a musician but being creatively wired and and driven um, mm. I just thought your journey was is particularly interesting because you you started in a corporate world, yes. but then I, re- I remember hearing your story on Not a Groupie about how yeah. basically your start into PR was through journalism and creative writing. Yeah, Do you mind telling us a little bit more about about that. Yeah,
1: and- sure. So because as soon as I finished uni, I wanted to be in marketing and kind of didn't know where, but but kind of ended up going into marketing for charities and financial services. And then I got into like partnership roles and things like that. But I felt there was always that hook sort of pulling me away from what I was doing day to day and and that urge to be way more creative. And I I remember actually someone saying to me, you should get into the music industry. It'd be great for you thinking Mm -hmm. actually, where could I lend myself creatively within music? So it did start off with me because I love creative writing as a, Uh, at school so I thought okay maybe like I love you know reading some some great journalist pieces on on musicians and shows and and album reviews or whatever so I was like maybe I'll that's where I'll get into maybe I'll Mm. just feel feel an urge so it kind of started from there but then like I knew I wanted to get into the music industry but I thought well writing blog pieces is just not going to pay my mortgage Mm. Uh, and I wasn't being paid for them anyway so I almost had to create, I almost created like a creative master plan of like how I was going to get into the industry. And I was going to open as many doors as I could to get into that industry because it's quite, quite a kind of tight industry. Yeah. Lots of people having not been mm. in their role for quite a long time. And a lot of the time it's um, who, you know, and, and and all of that sort of stuff. It was quite, yeah. it was quite frustrating, I found, but mm. I just kept tackling it one piece at a time. And for me, it started off with creative writing then I became a, a music editor of an online um, magazine. Um, there was a, an online magazine at the time called Art Rocker that was like really cool, really respected. Um, so then from there, from there, I put pivoted into what um waiting for the line of best fit. I was just like kind of bouncing around. I was like, I'm gonna try here, gonna try here. And I just used every experience I'd just done to get the next one, but also keep that one going as well, because I didn't want to let anyone down. So I was sort of doing loads, and then I did my radio show because I could see there was that creative passion for exploring new undiscovered artists. So I love to sort of go deep diving into oh, sort of cool. world, online world and just finding really obscure stuff. So I started that, um, had my own, own online radio show that turned into a regular live night. Cause we, some of the bands we discovered, we actually wanted to actually put on. So then we did that. And it, um, I did that with a friend and it just kind of grew and grew. And then I started managing a band um, who came and played oh, wow. at my live show. And then they, it was actually them that um, had a release out at that time. So they had an EP and they were like, we'd spent quite a bit of money with a PR company in London and, um, sorry, the results are really bad. So um, I actually jumped in that was like, oh, well, let me see what I can do. I can certainly write a press release and I can certainly, well, I know who writes for that magazine and who writes for that blog because I've worked with it before in another capacity. Um, and that's where I kind of, the idea for me being a publicist came along. It was literally like every opportunity literally just came along really naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that came to me launching Liberty. It was, it was just, bizarre how it was all just sort of slowly starting to unfold this sort of path yeah yeah uh, and then you know when you work with an artist you have to be creative with the artist so um, you need to understand what it is about them and their music what, what are their kind mm. of passions what are their what you know what, what what drives them to write certain themes in their music who do they uh, align themselves with and, and then kind of finding the right platforms to shout about that um, mm-hmm. And that could be through pairing them up with a really interesting brand, to getting them a really cool feature on a podcast with a host that's discussing that particular theme. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's it's having to be creative. That's really,
0: really fascinating to hear and really timely yeah. as well. You've articulated it perfectly about really mm. getting to know the artists and their vision and their work and then finding mm. the platforms that they can kind of shout about. That's it. Um, yeah. And that I feel like, oh, I need I need my students to hear that and to hear that from mm-hmm. you, because we've got we've got this million dollar question, actually. I don't know whether you can answer, Um, mm. which is uh, who does anyone read music blogs?
1: Yes, they are. they they um if you rely on music blogs alone, no, I don't think they they um they sort of hold a pivotal place in a an artist's release schedule anymore. They have to be one of the many marketing activities, promotional activities that take place. Um, so, for example, yeah. Obviously, you're going to be putting your track out on Spotify, I'm assuming, um, amongst other DSPs. So Spotify actually have a an algorithm that sort of scrapes the internet for mentions <laughs> of the song and the artist. So actually, it's um, the blog pieces have play quite a pivotal piece in that um, wow. in terms of the the kind of data it collects when the, when it and and that forms part of the algorithm for when they decide you know where to place it so it could have quite a big um influence on putting them on the editorials that kind of thing yeah. so i think um absolutely people still want to read like obviously you know lots of us go onto playlists and kind of passively hear new music or or whatever But there's something quite nice about still reading about an artist, finding out about their story. You know, if you get a really good interview piece, that's all it takes sometimes is one or two really good interview pieces to really open your eyes to the background and the journey of that artist. And I think that's just something that uh, Spotify and Apple just can't do. Um, I think things like podcasts play a really important part in a release strategy. I think getting... Getting your, the artists onto um, some really cool podcasts, you know, whether it's kind of tech related, um, emotionally sort of related, uh, you know, themes around empowerment, that sort of thing. Really important. Radio is having um, a sort of we found certainly in the our, our agency since the pandemic, lots of people asking more around radio. I'm wanting mm. to do stuff with uh, more micro radio stations. It's okay. for me. It's it's about having tapping into as many little communities as possible. So there might be a blog that has quite a small but dedicated readership. Um, mm. And if you're you kind of land a really cool um, press piece with them, you may just pick up a few fans. But those, if you do lots of those little things. Hopefully, they'll create a nice, solid little fan base for you that can only grow and grow and grow.
0: This is amazing. I can't tell you um, the part the party that is uh, I am having in my head right now. Um, <laughs> again, that's just that's so so insightful. I can't believe I didn't know that about the algorithm on on music yeah. blogs.
1: It's like new, so. It's, um, is it neuro linguistic programming or na- natural linguistic programming? It's basically. Mm-hmm. Spotify will basically scrape the web web for any text they can find on a particular song. Yeah, so it's really, mm-hmm. it's really pivotal. I think it's funny, isn't it? Because um, I think there's a lot of negativity around sort of old traditional ways of PRing people. Mm. Um, I think they still they still have a massive impact and uh, um, you know uh, still have a place. Um, so I'd love to change perceptions um, and educate where I can. Yeah, I think it's um, it's obviously a tough.
0: Climate for musicians full stop.
1: Yeah, uh, human beings
0: full stop, and like mm. and and creative people as well. And one thing I'm really keen and, and passionate about is basically equipping the next generation of of creative people to be a bit more resilient than I've been, savvy, determined, but also I guess unapologetically like all the the uh, intrinsic nature of being creative. So I guess mm. like the stereotypes that come with it, like sensitive maybe emotional expressive Mm. um a bit quirky I get as well Uh, (laughs) and that and that all being like really amazing things that people want what things about you would you say are intrinsically creative and that really kind of make you kick and keep going
1: it's weird actually uh gosh that's an interesting question um yeah I I feel that it is the qualities that you kind of listed out there so the sensitive um sort of introvert extrovert elements of my personality that make me um intrinsically creative I'm quite curious I'm always kind of wanting to learn more and understand more I'm really uh I'm really interested in psychologies and how they change from generation to generation so it's really interesting when you mentioned about the boot maybe that having it Uh all it's around the, the, the sort of more of a boomer mindset so I find that really interesting um I find it really interesting how you know creatively how you know with you know the young people how they how they you know how they're sort of creatively thinking and feeling as well i
0: uh, I love all of that I guess like the one last thing I wanted to ask you is just your perception of the music industry at the moment mm-hmm. and what needs changing what what's the urgency is there anything that from your perspective that is uh, yeah. needs changing
1: I feel like it's um it's definitely going in the right direction the music industry for sure I think mm. we are I think traditionally where a lot of um sort of businesses are uh, you know predominantly kind of being run and led by men is changing I'm seeing a lot more diversity across um mm some of those sort of really big iconic businesses that music businesses that we all know and love. Um, I'm seeing more and more of sort of changing the boards of of those particular businesses where they're again, a lot more diverse in terms of who sat around them and who's making those decisions. It still feels like, um, and I think it must be really tough for artists. It still feels like a winner sort of takes it all. I think there's like very small percentage of artists that seem to be making the most money um and are constantly kind of being promoted at us and I think it's quite hard for newer entrants or more independent artists to make money within those within the industry still I think it's quite tough but then at the same time I love the real DIY approach that's being really being championed as well I love it where I love the fact that Nowadays, an artist can pretty much record a song in their bedroom and Mm. they get it uploaded onto all the DSPs within a matter of a couple of days. I think that's amazing. Um, But, uh, you know, and I think that's a lot of those um, barriers have been dropped, so to speak. I feel like it can. It's quite competitive still. Like I think Mm. amongst sort of women, younger artists, I'd like to see more community uh, within scientists. I feel that, um, you know, if we could all really support each other, collaborate more, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you're an artist or a producer or a writer, um, how can we kind of open the door so we're all actually trying to help each other out a bit more? Mm-hmm. And again, through, through um, in women as well, I find sometimes women can be, um, yeah. as much as, you know, we can all be seen to be wanting to sort of support each other. I, can't, I, I have actually experienced... Um, a lot of not a lot of that as well at times and that's been quite mm-hmm. strange yeah um, so for me just really trying to push that community spirit and I think yeah. you know how we do that maybe through you know kind of networking group I mean yeah I guess that's something we sh- we all need to think a bit more about
0: yeah I think this is a good start um so th- that mm. was one of the reasons I set up this podcast is to just yeah. have these have these conversations and um particularly kind of with a, a music industry and creative industries mm. angle and that's something yeah. I've longed for for a while mm. back when I was kind of really active in the industry as a musician as a session mm. musicians we're talking yeah. like a decade ago uh, I hated networking because mm. quite frankly, it felt like putting on a mask and yeah. language so it's quite on this force, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, and bullshit, 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 basically. <laughs> and and I'm yeah. not I'm not very good at that. Like I yeah. I have no filter. I remember famously a, a boss of mine at one stage saying to me, you know, Jen, and um, you that person's a VIP, like they need the VIP treatment. And I'm like,
1: <laughs> and I just said, really? everyone's
0: everyone's a VIP to me. Every like yeah. everyone you gets treated with respect. But it just yeah. didn't. But I I didn't fit because. I refuse to kind of like adhere to kind of that model. And so then coming into this role and going, and going right, I've got, I've got to network like crazy to get the mm-hmm. right people in to speak mm-hmm. to our students. Mm-hmm. And especially not just any old body, not just a name, not just a name mm-hmm. drop. It needed to be people who were eating, sleeping, breathing the music industry, but also decent, hardworking, underpinned with a, like a philosophy that is going to nurture our students. And I was mm-hmm. really passionate about that. And I thought, gosh, is this going to be possible in the music industry that I know and then what I've found is that the the pandemic has basically ripped away the bullshit mm. and left yeah. people who, and left people who are so, still love music yeah. so passionate about the future of music, and you who know, are grafters. Mm. and a thoroughly decent i'm like yeah. wow that's a completely different story to the one that i started with and yeah. it's very exciting meeting people like yourself um it really is that simple they love music they love artists mm. they want to see it mm. thrive they work hard they put mm. in the hours
1: yeah it's true you're right actually that's actually one of the the subjects we talked about in our last mammy event like that since the pandemic we've all like a lot of us have we kind of we know who's who and who we prefer to spend more of our time with and who we don't. We don't pretend as much as maybe we did pre-pandemic. I know that I don't yeah. know. And, um, and, and you're, you're right. You know, it's less, less of the bullshit, which I think is fantastic. What, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? So that last question you asked me, um, what would you say is your answer to that? Yeah. yeah I, love I love it.
0: I love it that you're asking me a question. Uh, what changes to the music industry? I think, I think what I've just described, I'd, I'd like to see that kind of continue to be improved upon, mm-hmm. and and really owned because mm-hmm. there's still, a, 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 every now and then, um, I'd like to see that mirrored in all facets. I think so. I'd like to see that really powerfully mirrored within music education, particularly. So I tread this very weird kind of territory where um, I'm in an institution that is academic. And on one hand, I've got my colleagues who are fiercely academic and world is certain types and uh, different kind of like language and terminology and behaviors. And then there's the music industry, which is the polar opposite. And then you've got little old me in the middle kind of jumping around going, I love academia and I love music industry. And what the academia tends to do and, and education it still feels like we're preparing students for this um, industry where they think resilience is suffering, mm. and you know, just dealing with the fact that it's competitiveness and dealing with the shit and, and, mm. you know, doing whatever it takes. And mm-hmm. I think all of that is incredibly unhealthy. And mm-hmm. um, I think the mental health statistics are, are proof of the fact that, you know, that it's really damaging artistry mm-hmm. and it's damaging students whilst they're in their education and music education. And actually, I'm finding the more and more I speak to graduates and I speak to musicians and people working the industry, it's not the reality. Actually, mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. there is more community, there is more support and mentorship, and mm-hmm. um, and advocating for uh, equality and and good mental health and stuff. So I'd like to see that mirrored in my two realms. Yeah.
1: Um, yes. I'd like
0: to I'd like to see the I don't like the word normalising because I think it's overused, but um, mm-hmm. this mental health neurodiversity just being a very ordinary thing that is part of being human rather mm. than tokenized so where we just flag that I think it's great that you know we have things that specifically hi kitty
1: um,
0: <laughs> yeah. specifically go you know right we're going to do this for mental health or we're going to do mm. this to kind of generate and it there's a lot of still of need around that I was on a call recently um it was about um health and well-being of students in higher education and particularly in conservatories where I work Mm -hmm. and it was mentioned that the 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 extrapolating stats of people being diagnosed with ADHD and ASD Mm -hmm. is really problematic yeah and that it is caused it's called it's caused by social media and that it's become a trend and I Mm -hmm. found that attitude problematic because I thought, well, actually, Mm. if you look at the reasons why it's totally plausible, Mm. it it makes complete sense that these stats are soaring, but also like, what's the big deal? Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if a ton of creative people have a brain that works in a very particular way. And is, and actually can can we reframe that? And can we go, thank you social media for talking about this and giving us equipping us with knowledge and having these conversations Mm -hmm. and, but I just rather than it being like a big thing. Yeah. it Just be like, you know, that's really positive that that's happening. And we understand our brains and we understand creative people better. And yeah, so it's all just crack on with working hard and making beautiful things and being nice to each other. Does any of that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. No, thank you. Thanks for sharing. I think it's, that's a, it's a really good question you asked. And I think, um, yeah some, something i will continue to ask people i know within the industry because i think mm. from that we can start trying to figure out where where the changes need to take place i've um, got um one yeah.
0: last question okay sorry because this is called the den and the den um it was called the den because
1: okay um
0: as kids uh children um it is proven by research um retreat to safe places uh of yeah. like uh, of confinement so building a den <laughs> under a table in a corner in a <laughs> When they yeah, when they need safety, but also uh, just remembering when I was a child, I could build a den and then you invite your like your best like friends that. in there. So can you remember any dens that you have built, and would you mind sharing with us?
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. so um, I grew up in a tiny little village in the countryside and me and all the children in the village built um the coolest den in the woods so it was a woods like at the end of my garden and that was our safe space so we used to um it was like you know it was like something out of the goonies so we had um, so many cool things in it it was like it was actually really well put together considering we were all quite young yeah. um and yeah so my den was out in the out in the woods with local children in the village Um, it was a place where we used to go and listen to music together to eat chocolate together to drink sugary fizzy pop together and amazing, to, um, and all just come together as a as a group. So, yeah, amazing. Actually, I hadn't actually thought about it for a long time. So, <laughs> um thanks for asking that question.
0: <laughs> you're welcome. It's <laughs> one to finish on. Um, well, thank you so much for um the agreeing to do this. Honestly, been so so helpful and really encouraging. And I can't wait to um, develop things with Mummy and and just support everything that you're about and you're doing.
1: Thank well. you. Thanks so much.